Thank you, Jesus. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, He has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors, says, and is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. God before us, God beside us, God behind us, God above us, be also now between us, a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I am not Randy. Much to your chagrin, I'm sure. Randy is on a well-deserved vacation. So we wish Darla and Randy and their family all the best on vacation, and we will welcome them when they get back. So I'm here. He's graciously invited me to, to help out, and I am happy to do so, to be here with you. Winner take all. We've heard that in life. We've heard it in different games. Maybe it's the last hand in poker, and it's kind of a winner take all situation. I went to a party once where we had a game where you would write your name on a dollar bill and you would kind of drop it into a hat and then they would pick the, the dollars out one at a time and whoever's name was called last got the entire pot. So it was kind of this, you know, anxious feeling. And I suppose the lottery might be a winner take all, but not really because you do have kind of multiple winners sometimes. I did hear this, which I shouldn't admit this from the pulpit, but I contemplated driving down to Florida and buying a lottery ticket because it's like $650 million, which seems like a lot of money, right? I mean, it's not a billion, but I guess, you know, I could do with that. Um, I didn't, but as I was kind of reading about this, I read from a scientist, you know, them, those scientists, that I'm just trusting the science here. They said, that you're, they, they said this is a good way to think about your odds of winning the lottery. Imagine you have a dog, and the dog will bark one time in the next nine years. And you have to figure out the exact minute and the exact second that that dog will bark in the next nine years. Your odds of doing that are greater than winning the Powerball. 
thought, well, maybe I'll just water the grass, right? Who cares about Florida? But this winner-take-all mentality is kind of the way we are conditioned to look at life in a lot of ways. And you could say, oh, well, that's not true. I love everyone, and I want to give everybody a helping hand. And yet we're indoctrinated with it. I mean, I went to a summer camp once, and the, the bishop who was there said, you got to be careful on what we're singing, because songs are a way we really teach people things. You memorize things that way. And how about this? The winner takes it all, the loser standing small. The gods may throw the dice, their hands as cold as ice. Abba, right? Well, you know, you could all sing up and, you know, stand up and sing that one. That's one of many songs. Because we think in a way of causation, right? Aquinas would disagree with that, but we'll get into that another day. The causation that if you do good, or blessings happen to you, ergo you are good, right? You are worthy. You are whatever it is you fill in the blank. Winning changes everything. This was a slogan that came out about 10 years ago or so. It was one of Tiger Woods' 10 comebacks, one of those. I'm not sure which one it was. He's had several. Um, and this was a Nike ad, and it had a picture of Tiger. It said, winning changes everything. And Tiger had just been through a very bad automobile accident and had been bedridden for several months. He had been through back surgeries and was having real difficulty. He'd been through marital problems. I mean, the guy had been through the ringer, right? And so Nike is telling us, in addition to just do it, that if you win, then it'll change everything. Then maybe all of that will just be erased, right? All of your past, all of the things that you do wrong can just be covered up by one little win. Just another green jacket, right? Winning changes everything. And I remember thinking, really? Wow. Puts a lot of pressure on winning, right? <laughs> Tiger didn't do so great on that comeback, but you know, he had others, so you got it. We're even taught this in school. The most oversubscribed class in the MBA program at Stanford, I read in a, in a magazine here this week, is a class that is called Paths to Power. Now, this isn't one of the classes you have to take, you know, finance and financial modeling and all that stuff. This is one of the fun classes, right? So people take this class in order to figure out ways. It teaches them to maintain power through manipulation and division. They teach you how to look magnanimous while being ruthless, right? Most oversubscribed class, because after all, the goal is winning. We're told this everywhere we go, that somehow there's the secret knowledge that is out there, that if we just grasp it, if there are these 10 things, that if we just do these and we check off the boxes, then we'll be worthy, then we'll be loved, then our outlook will change and life will look fantastic, right? That we can have this elevated self in some way. That class that we just talked about, the one at Stanford, at the end of that class, they put everybody in a line, and it's self-selecting. You have to pick your place in line based on how you see your degree of influence. So, I mean, can you imagine this? 30 seconds before the game starts, you're like, oh my gosh, am I, gonna, I can't be in the bottom third. 
I can't be last. What if I'm last? I'll always be the guy that was last. I gotta be number one. I gotta be at the top, or at least in the top third. And so you know what happens, right? Okay, go. <laughs> it's a disaster. Everybody's vying for that top position because of the way they see their influence. It's exhausting. And we're all told if you don't, you just try hard enough. And if you're not blessed, or you don't feel blessed, or life doesn't look this way, just try a little bit harder. And we have social media to help us with all of this, right? There are filters you can put on. If you feel fat, put the skinny filter on. Lose 10 pounds. You know, it's easy. You have bags under your eyes and giant wrinkles on the side of your face. Point, case in point. Just use the filter that kind of brushes things. Use face fusion, right? Use that one. There is an app as well or a filter that is making people my age sad because it's called the Teenage Face Filter. And so you can look at your phone and it will show you yourself as a teenager. God, so many things I want to say, right? <laughs> Winning is everything. Get off your butt. I'm kidding. That's a joke, right? <laughs> but we even do it in church. And Episcopalians, we love to cast, you know, to point fingers like, oh, look at all those who believe in the prosperity gospel. You know, that if you're rich, then somehow you've done something to earn God's favor. Or if you have blessings in your life, you've done something good to earn it. Kind of you, you get what you, what you earn. But we do the same thing. What do you mean you're not going to march in that for this and that cause? Do you just not care about justice? You just want injustice to reign everywhere, don't you? Do you want people to starve to death? But do you just not care at all about the poor? Well, then why aren't you coming uh, here and doing this? They didn't see you in church last Sunday. Guess you don't love Jesus quite as much as you did last week, right? Are you going to volunteer for this or for that? Stop busting my chops. It's exhausting. And I don't think I'm the only one. Life can be exhausting when everything you see, including when you come in here, is telling you, just try harder, just do more. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Of course we want to strive for excellence. But when it is the thing that determines your outlook on life and your self-worth and how you view people, Eventually, every time you look into that app, whatever filter you're putting on it, you're going to feel terrible. And you're going to feel exhausted. Because you're going to feel whatever you do, you got a virtue signal. You know, here's me in the morning eating breakfast. There just happens to be a Bible conveniently open next to me. Look how holy I am. I see this exhaustion. I feel this exhaustion in today's gospel. This gospel um, that speaks into a world where they were telling you that you had to do things in order to be worthy, in order to be saved, in order to be in God's favor. And Jesus uses a proverb, and he compares himself and John the Baptist. He says, John came, and he didn't eat certain things, and he lived a very ascetic life, told you to repent, and you thought he was possessed. You told him to lighten up. I came, 
and I was preaching the one-way gift of God's grace and God's love, and you called me a glutton, and you called me a drunkard. It's never good enough. Holding you to a standard that continues to change and go on and on. In other parts of Scripture, they would tell us that the religious leaders would heap burdens on people. And so Jesus comes into this exhausted world where people were wondering, you know, you couldn't carry a burden on the Sabbath. And so you couldn't carry a stone on the Sabbath. But if your son was carrying a stone, could you pick up and carry your son on the Sabbath? Is that carrying a burden? Could you imagine going through life like that? Again, exhausting. And so into this, Jesus spoke to a people. And he said, come to me. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, that sounds great. But weary sounds like weakness. I'm not weak. Don't call me weak. I'm strong. Heavy burdens makes it seem like I can't keep it together. That that I'm the one right at the back of that line at Stanford that I'm the one that is going to be in the bottom third, that I don't have it together when everybody else out there has it together. Surely God isn't found there, right? God's not found in that weakness and in that brokenness. It sounds hard. It sounds painful. It is hard. And it is painful. That is the world in which we live and move and have our being, and it is also the world in which God's hand broke in in the person of Jesus the Christ. Yes, God is found there. Yes, God is there, but that is also where we find healing. Where we can say, I don't have it all together, but I know I'm not the only one. It is a message of hope for those who at times feel hopeless because we serve a God who meets us where we are in this life, in the middle of that brokenness, in the middle of that hollowness, in the middle of being on top of the world. In all of those moments, God comes to us and the Bible is filled with people who have had that experience with God, who have laid their burdens in his arms and have moved on to spread that good news. But you know, even if we start to check off the boxes and kind of take comfort in that, there's still that part of us that feels like we're just not doing it enough. And we have this sneaking suspicion that we're the only ones. And I think about people like Paul. Terrible guy, right? He killed Christians, persecuted them forever. Then he was knocked off a horse and had an experience with the living God on the road to Damascus and he became the greatest evangelist the world has ever seen. And so this is what I would like to have on every billboard. I want it to pop up on my phone when I turn it on. It's what Paul says in today's lesson from Romans. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? 
Why do I do this? Why am I like this? I don't understand my actions, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. I'm not the only one. Does that sound familiar? It does to me. So what's the answer? You know, what is the answer? The exhausted Paul asks that question. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue? Who will save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God who delivers through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are broken, all you have had, who have had expectations dashed. But come to me when you're on top of the world and you just ace the exam. Come to me. Notice how Jesus doesn't say, here are ten ways to be the better you. Here are three ways to have rejuvenation. The top five things that you can do to feel well rested. Come to me. Lay your burdens on me. Just come. He doesn't say winners line up first. He doesn't say winners take it all. He doesn't ask for your resume or a list of your service hours. He just says, come. And you can say, well, that's great, and that just puts a nice little bow on it. Let's go out and eat lunch and do our thing. Because, you know, I don't feel that bad. I kind of got this covered. So, you know, move on, preacher. (laughs) Well, good for you. Enjoy that. Because I don't care how rich you are or how poor you are. I don't care how strong you are or how weak you are or you think you are. There will come a day in your life where you will carry a burden that is too heavy for you to carry. We are not self-sufficient. All of us, at one point or another, need refreshment, and we need comfort, and we need to know where to find that, because the world will simply tell us, buck up, suck it up, dust it off, try harder. Barbara Crafton says, blessed are those who know their need of this early. They are the ones who will put themselves in the way of the comforter. Are you weary today? Are you burdened? Have you been at a time in your life? Do you know somebody that is? I mean, today's collect tells us, you know, basically a summary of the law. Love God, but love your neighbor. You're throwing this on Jesus could be the moment and the window of healing for them as well. And if you're too tired to come or you don't want to come or you're just tired by life, know this, Jesus comes to you. We find him and he comes to us in our conversions and in our failures every day. We find him in the constant I'm sorry's. I'm sorry to our spouse. I'm sorry to our parents. I'm sorry to our siblings, to our children, 
to our co-workers, to people here in this holy space. We find Him, and He comes to us in knowing and loving people who are different from us or who are really hard to love and to know. We find Him in our exhaustion because it is there that He gives us rest. He comes into our darkened darkened lives and gives us light. Say it, Lord Jesus. Say it again and again and again so that we in our human frailty don't forget. Come to me. Come to me. All who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. For I will save you. Amen.